just before I come to that uh, rather distressed man, uh, I'd just like to say that yesterday we uh, had a, a, a Vision North Wales, a, a prayer day for, uh, for North Wales, uh, and uh, uh, over 60 people gathered to pray. Uh, which was uh, really encouraging to give you an idea of that uh, perspective. Uh, a recent prayer day for Vancouver, which will just now wake up Phil, uh, 25 people prayed for that. Uh, so uh, God is blessing us and we're really encouraged. Uh, there were some significant prophetic words, which I'm hoping that we'll be able to put onto uh, the website so that you'll be able to uh, listen to that. Uh, and uh, there was one person stirred uh, to move. We were praying for D-side, gathered the people uh, in the middle, and suddenly out of the crowd, this one person burst through, stood with them. Uh, who's this? But We'll take it. Uh, so that was what happened. But more than that, I actually felt, me personally, that what occurred was in heavenly places. The effect of the prayers of the saints, uh, I believe, uh, will have uh, produced things that that we are yet to discover. Uh, So here we go. Uh, We're on a series called Men Who Met Jesus, the Man with the Unclean Spirit. Uh, So let me do that one first. Today's text should have been Mark chapter 5 and me speaking about the subject of legion. I have to say that two weeks ago that I sat down to prepare this sermon. And the reason was that I'd got trips that included going up into Manchester for a few days and Daventry. So I thought what I'll do is I will get ahead and I will prepare a sermon two weeks in advance. Uh, I prepared Luke 4. Which is why that you're looking at uh, the man with the unclean uh, spirit. That's what I actually did. These are those notes. Uh, the, the reasons for doing what I did is simply this. I haven't got a clue. I don't know why I did it and that sort of stuff. You can only uh, forgive me for doing it um, and uh, bear with me. Uh, if I was being, be, being deeply spiritual, the only thing that I can say is two things. One, it proves one idiot, the guy is leading the church. Uh, and that's true. I, I, as, uh, as, uh, as I think Steve uh, prayed and sacri- uh, responded to the prophetic word, he's uh, uh, been a sinner of sinners, that's me. So I sinned and I, I wish to apologize to do that. So I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to do that. If, you'd be, if you were looking forward to Legion, I'm, so, I'm really sorry. The second thing is this. Having said all that, maybe God's in this. <laughs> what do you mean, maybe? <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. So there we go. So let's uh, read the text then. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 37. Uh, and he went down uh, to Capernaum a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching. That is an extraordinary word, isn't it? For his word possessed authority. And uh, in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I 
know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, uh, Be silent and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down into their midst, he, uh, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said uh, to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him uh, went out into every place in the surrounding uh, region. I want to just begin as an introduction by, by trying to encourage us that we are actually to be a different people, a very different people. Our series is about uh, people who met Jesus and these people who met with Jesus were actually radically changed. Their life was never the same again having met with Jesus. So Jesus meets the sick, he heals them, they're radically changed. He meets the man with the unclean spirit and he is radically changed. He was released from his oppression. So that what we're looking for when we are, people are meeting with Jesus, whether you are not a Christian here this morning or whether you are, is that when we encounter Jesus, the product is that we are different. Something occurs when you meet with Jesus. You shouldn't go and come back again and be the same ever again. That's not Jesus' intention. Jesus' intention is that you so encounter him that you are different. Now we've seen Jesus through our series uh, engaging in the, the men and women of Israel. He claimed to be the Messiah and he was saying as the Messiah uh, what this is going to look like from now on will be very different than the way that you have thought it to be and are expecting it to be. And he comes in and he actually says to them, think of this in, in terms of them as a nation. He sort of says to them, this isn't going to be a Jew thing any longer. This is going to be different. Now that would have gone down well. It would have been received as being quite offensive. You know. And so we have to come back and say, this is not a Jew thing. This is not going to be uh, that way. Uh, and... Uh, we see that Jesus speaks, doesn't he, into uh, extraordinary people, Gentiles, Samaritans. He comes and uh, meets with them. And they would have wondered what on earth this is going to be like. But Jesus was demonstrating that. He said, look, I, I haven't just come to produce this salvation for this one group of people. I've come to pr bring salvation to all. And all is what it will look like. All is what it will look like. We have to think in terms of, of building church, in terms of the all, and not in terms of one particular group. This is, this is our Jesus. We can see what he does. And Jesus shows up again. So we've learned that uh, it's different, that it's not going to be just for one type of people, that it's going to be for all. And he seems to show up and keeps confirming this difference how this difference will look, how it will be shaped. And I don't know whether you've noticed this, that he seems to constantly talk about the fact that it isn't just for good people. That's the way that he comes. I, I haven't come to, to, bring those to bring this great salvation to the guys that think that they know the Torah or the Old Testament. But rather, 
I've come, to bring, I've come to bring this salvation to a people who will believe in me. People who will follow me. People will, that will uh, take on everything that, that I want to give to them. And then he sort of moves uh, away because what he seems to imply is that he seems to imply that some of these people will actually have horrifically dark pasts. He goes and talks to a prostitute. What sort of past is that? And said, no, you can come. You can be a part of it. Here we have a demonic guy. No, you can come. You can come into to this. And uh, there, it seems to be that one of the things that Jesus is saying is this, that there will be people that will come into his kingdom that will be filled with struggle, fear, despair, and the things of the past. And he says to them, you can come. You can come. Please come. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, because we, we're in danger of building middle class intellectual church. And Jesus comes and he says, no, the prostitutes can come. The, the demonic man, he can come. The sick can come. The children, they can come. And yet we still do it, don't we? How do we build church? Still middle class guys. It, it needs to be back in the roots of our saviour. It's where we need to go, church. We need to hear this. Because he does, doesn't he? He says to sinners, no, you can come. In fact, I'm coming to your house for tea, tax collectors. Coming to your place. What? That doesn't work. This is the type of church that Jesus brings together. Can you imagine what that Sunday would look like? The running round child. The de- can you imagine the demonic man? We're just trying to do church here. What are you doing? Shouting out, crying out loud. Don't disrupt my meetings. No, this was Jesus' meetings. This is full of sinners, tax collectors, sick, demonic past, all coming uh, together. But he goes on and he says, it's not just like that. He said, can you imagine saying this to the Pharisees and the scribes when he actually says to them, I've not come to, to please your mind but I've actually come to reach your heart. What? That would have been... In fact, everything that he seems to say seems to create more and more offence. But actually the reason he's saying it is that he wants to, for us to know this is scripture. This is how we build on. So we should be people of the heart. We should be people that are moved because of Jesus. I want to get in there, says Jesus. I don't want to just touch your intellect. I want you, I want you to be moved by me. I want you to be affected by me, shaped by me. Do you ever want to say this? And uh, I just want to do this. We forgot in, as charismatic people that some years ago we used to weep. We've forgotten that we used to laugh. I've been in some meetings just all laughing. Now, we don't laugh any longer. We don't, we don't weep any longer. Where's Jesus gone then? Can't Jesus cause those things? Jesus goes through to the heart. Can't let Jesus touch your heart. Come on, laugh a bit. Great, when we're singing about great, doesn't that make you laugh? Doesn't it make you just go, this is mad. It's outrageous that me, the worst of all sinners, should, should benefit from the wonder of the cross. Doesn't that make you giggle just a little bit? Just think, this is madness. And then doesn't it, when you, when you hear, when we're talking about justice and love on the cross and, and the wonder of what Jesus did, doesn't that make you want to weep? 
that somebody would do such a thing for me? Doesn't it, doesn't it get under you? If it doesn't get under the skin, what is the matter with you? What is the matter with me? Have you ever asked that question? Singing, you know, when I survey the wondrous cross, that's a good hymn. Change the tune, don't. Not so fussed about the tune. Why do we do that? You know, they've changed the tune. Come on, let the words dwell in you richly and affect you. Let it do that. Not only did he say about the heart, he says to them, I've not either come to start a political movement, which is really interesting, because that was the, what they wanted to come and do. I want it to be different through a political way. And he said, no, I'm actually going to use the people that I've just told you about, and they will transform society. That is extraordinary. What do you mean, that funny prostitute lady? This unclean, he will be the one. Yes, that's it. That's what makes it so radically different. That Jesus transforms the worst of the worst and uses them to extend the kingdom of God. That's what makes it both outrageous and God. That's what it does. And Jesus, just before the passage that we've got up, he, he says that he's come to preach the good news to the poor. Wow. He says that he's come to set some captives free. Were you to imagine this meeting? Were you to imagine what, what our Sundays should look like? Okay, Jesus is here. Okay, this is what our meeting should look like. Good news to the poor. Captives free. Liberty oppressed. Sight blind. Lord's favour proclaimed. That's what Jesus said I've come to do. We are in Christ. Does it make our Sundays a bit wrong? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. to th- For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise. You just think that you are now. I've just become mature in Christ now. Ditch it, please. Just ditch it. For cons- consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you wise, and actually still are not wise, according to God. And his wisdom. Still foolish, guys. Still a bunch of idiots. It's who we are. Get it in your life. Get it placed fully. According to the worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. And still many of us are not. We're not powerful people. Not many of you are from noble birth. We're not. We were just talking to some of the students the other week. They found it very difficult to understand that I had an outside toilet. I'm not of noble birth. Here's the thing. Shouldn't be preaching to you. What was my dad? My dad was a grocer. Fought in World War II. Who was his son? He's the son of a poor... I'm the, I'm the, I'm the son of a poor guy. That's who I am. Don't ever forget who you really are. It helps you will help you. Not many of you are of noble birth, but God chooses, chooses what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chooses the low and the despised in the world, even the things that are not. You know there's some are nots in this room? The things that are not. To bring to nothing the things that think they are. 
So if you think you are, who's going to show you you're wrong? The are-nots. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that different? So that no human being might boast other than in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became the wisdom of God, so forth and so forth. Have you got the difference yet? Have you got who we are? Have you got what we look like? What we're building, the church, is very different. And let me say, it should remain different. It should sound and feel like not the, not the world. It should sound and feel like Jesus. It should portray him. I want to ask a question uh, today. I want to ask the question to this. I'll ask you this question. Can Jesus be trusted? The reason I want to do that is that I don't know whether you know Jesus as your own personal saviour or not. And this is my appeal to you. So... Um, to the to the probably the uh, the the, lo- the theologians amongst us, you will find this a little bit offensive. But what I want to do this morning, just briefly before we get into text, is I want to ask this question: Is Jesus a liar or not? Is he a liar? You don't have to answer that. That's been theologically. I know. I know he's not a liar. No, 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 no. He's not a liar. I just explained that wasn't for you. All right. Shush. Right, thank you. I want to ask the question myself with some people that do not know Jesus. Is Jesus a liar? Oh, no, no, he's not. Dear. The reason I want to ask that question is that surely to answer that question, we've got to say this. Is it, it is one thing to say something is another thing to live it. Yeah? We know that because we hear some fantastic prayers, don't we? We don't see much action sometimes. You know, come on, come on. We are, we do what we say. Yeah? We do what we say. And, that's the que- and that is the question we need to ask about Jesus. Is Jesus the person that he said that he was? Because there's a consequence with that in regard to us. He proclaimed the kingdom. Now, would he do it? Will he get distracted? Will he, will he sell out? Will he, will he sort of, when they praise him, will he buy in a little bit to that? Will he really go for these messed up people that he said he was going to do? What will he do? Will he live out what he's taught? Will he do what he said? All those questions need to come. So today what we're trying to find out, if you are not a Christian, is the Jesus that we are preaching true or not? Did he do what he said? And the reason for that question is this, that if he does what he says that he will do, he can be wholly trusted. If he doesn't do what he says he will do, please do go home Wrap yourself up in a nice duvet and put the telly on and watch a DVD or something. Please do that. And look at us and go, what are those bunch of idiots doing on a Sunday? Because if he's a liar, what are we doing here? But if he's not a liar and he's telling us the truth and he did what he said, then that affects everything. Absolutely everything. If Jesus is not a liar, then and he tells us the truth and does what he says... Therefore, it involves you. It involves you. So the question is this. How does Jesus do what he does? Well, we pick it up in, uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 31. 
And he's just finished reading from the scroll in the synagogue about the oppressed and the captives and all that sort of stuff in, uh, in Nazareth. And there was a dialogue with the crowd and the crowd didn't think him to be much of a prophet. And their past attitudes towards prophets led them to tr- for him to be thrown out of the town. And then he goes down to Capernaum and it says in the, in the scripture that we've got here, and he went down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching for, the, for, uh, for his word possessed authority. So believe, where we, before we move on, let's answer the question then. You know, why were these people astonished? Well, they were astonished at his teaching and that his word possessed authority. Is it just simply that? Is it just that before us, we've got a very clever bloke? Sharp guy. Brainy guy. Is that what it was? The brainy guy is teaching us. Hey, hey, he knows some stuff, doesn't he? He knows not only the Greek, the Hebrew, but he knows because he's Jesus, the future Latin or something like that. I don't know. I want to say that it's nothing to do with that. I want to suggest that it's nothing to do with the cleverness of his construction. In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says this, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led from the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. That's a different authority. But he coped with the authority of the devil by being filled with the Spirit. Verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, full of the Holy Spirit, into the towns in Galilee. Verse 18, stood up in the synagogue, proclaimed, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and has anointed me. And then he goes on, and has anointed me to what? Preach. Got it? So how does he stand up in authority? How does he stand up and possess this astonished teaching? How does he possess this authority that he has? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach. The Spirit of God is upon him. It's interesting in, in the way that he perceives the Spirit of God. Because when he's in the wilderness, the Spirit of God was protecting him. It was a defensive thing. When he gets down into Galilee, it's an offensive thing. He's going out there full of the Holy Spirit. When we get him into the synagogue, right now I'm teaching full of the Holy Spirit. We come to this point and because he's full of the Spirit, he's going to deal with this thing. Let me just ask you this very simple question, or should I ask myself, do we know a better way to do this stuff then? Can you give me a a better reason why we shouldn't be full with the Spirit? Because some of you right now are right in the middle of wilderness experiences. Right now. Some of you know the words of the devil in your ears. Some of them are, are ringing right now. And do you know how Jesus sets it apart? Full of the Spirit. And actually, it's, 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 it's not the way you want to go, is it? You know, you, you sort of have this meeting and somebody says, please come to the front of you. And then you sort of, don't you realize what I'm going through right now? What I'm coping with? It's a real struggle. It's the last thing that I actually want to do. It's the first. 
And he comes and some of you in this room, you have desired to pray for the sick. You've desired to teach. You feel God is stirring you with a gift of teaching and that sort of stuff. And you think, yeah, what I can do, I can get onto the word. or I can." And, and, and Jesus says, no, come on. No, if you want to do this stuff, it comes by being filled with the Spirit. Is there another way to do this? Every way leads back to this one thing, that this was a man full of the Holy Spirit. So whatever way that you, whatever answer that you, what a sort of, whatever sort of description you want to put to either your need or your, or your different, please know this, the answer only comes down to this, you need to be filled with the Spirit. That's the answer. Ha! And those clever demons. Verse 33 and verse 34, it says, And the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. We're going to deal with the unclean or clean demons a bit later. It's a bit ridiculous. And he says, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. Let's deal with the Greek, ha. You think there isn't Greek for ha? You'll think, ha, ha. It's not in the NIV. Let's just clear some things up. The NIV is not the most accurate. <laughs> we have to go back to the Greek, okay? Is ha in the Greek? Yes, it is. Is ha ha in the Greek? No, of course it isn't. It means this. It's, it's a spontaneous interjection of scorn. That's what it means. So it could be all sorts of words that have come. It's a spontaneous reaction of scorn. Now, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever heard that before? Yes. I think some of you probably have. Some of you will know not only spontaneous reactions of scorn, but regular scorn. And you know that the reason is that you are a Christian. Because standing in front of this, this man is Jesus. Ha! Hello, my name's Nigel, I'm a Christian. Ha! Idiot. Burke. It's true, isn't it? That's so true. You just think, What? I, I had a neighbour that when I first moved into Wrexham, gone now, sadly, their marriage uh, split up, and I, I got invited to a late-night drinking session. So I arrived, and the next-door neighbour's garage door was open. And uh, there was two of my neighbours, and the door was open, and they were uh, drinking. And they said to me, would you like to come? And I said to Kelly, I'm... And Kelly said to me, go witness. Oh. <laughs> so basically, it was, it was it, excuse me, like, it, was, it was stacks of, of cans of Fosters. And we had to have a deck chair. We sat in the garage. We sat in the garage. What, what are you? This is a life. Sit in the garage, drink beer. <laughs> so I was invited to sit in the garage for hours. To drink Fosters. <laughs> I hate Fosters. So they came to the question, they said, you know, it's really great that you've come here. Why have you come? Well, I thought, 
Fosters would help. So I thought, here we go. I was full of the spirit by now, full as far. So out he came. I've come here to plant a church. They nearly fell off the chairs. They rolled at this hilarious guy that was sitting in their garage going, what an idiot. And then they said to me, well, how many people you got? And I went, none. (laughs) And they're now on the floor and they're just rolling around and they just think, he's on the floor. And they said, and how are you going to do it? And I went, pray. And they went, and they're just killing themselves. And afterwards, after that, it, it, and it doesn't, you will know this, at first they laugh, but then it becomes scorn. It goes deeper, doesn't it? Because then they despise you, they hate you, they, they're repelled by the very fact that you, they hated our cat. <laughs> ha! Because you do, you say, I believe this, and they go, ha! And you go, uh, you know, and it isn't interesting that it says in here that the ha comes with a loud voice. Isn't it like that? It just happens like that, doesn't it? Some of you are living right now, and I'd like to pray with you after, with the living reality of having to face scorn. We'd like to pray with you at the end. Because it is tough, guys. Ha, every day is very wearying. But I just want you to know that your saviour had one too. You are not alone. There are all sorts of things that are going on here that I need to unpack for us. We've, we've talked about it previously. Jesus, uh, when Phil preached on Levi the tax collector... Um, the prevailing view of the first century man or woman was that if you had an illness or a disease or a deformity, basically everybody then, uh, you fell into the class of people called sinners. There was a great debate on what made you sick, what made this man sick. Uh, Is is it your sin? Is it the sin of your parents? What what was going on here? So I'm sure that what was going on here was exactly the same thought. What, What was this guy? Why had he got this? What happened here? That's the sort of... And uh, Jesus answered the question a bit, little bit later, uh, but, but, well, uh, in another uh, context, where, he, where the Pharisees ask him that same question, sort of ask him, and he said, they ask him, is this man crippled because of his sin, or is it his parents' sin? And this is the same situation that we've probably got in front of us here. And so, what I want to do is that I want to cheat. Because you won't need to have a look at this, but Uh, the next few verses in verse 38 to 41 Jesus goes and he meets Simon's mother-in-law who was sick of a fever and he rebuked the fever and then he says various diseases uh, he healed everyone and then it talks about demons and it says they came out of everyone every one of them and it's just really interesting that you have got people that are gauged in well what went wrong here let me take you back to the past Let's drill it in and all this sort of stuff. And Jesus comes and said, I don't really care how this happened. I care that you like this right now. Isn't it really lovely of the Saviour? 
You come and you sort of say, well, Lord, I'm just, you know, just, it, it's my father, you know. My father was a, you know, he was a, he was a beater of children, all that sort of stuff. Or, or it was my mother, you know, she was oppressive and she made me wear shorts, which mine did to go to school and, you know, never forgive her. And, and it, we, we do that a lot, don't we? Don't we do that a lot? We, we sort of get tied in, into that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and what happens is that Jesus comes along and he goes, okay, well, I'm not sure you know, what went on there and how that went on and, and what occurred in all this, but let's just deal with it, okay? So let's heal all their diseases and all the, all the demons. And, and it says, and it came out of them all. And they heal them all. And sometimes, you know, church, we do that. We sort of say, we have a church theology in our place. And those are the ones, now hear this, because this is what happened in the Bible. They said, this is the man with the unclean spirit, the demonic unclean. Can you ask me then, what if there's a, if there's a uh, let me just get this correctly. Uh, if there's an unclean de- uh, demonic spirit, what's a clean demonic spirit then? And you see where they were, can't you? Is this a clean demonic spirit? No, let's consider this. Perhaps we should have a prayer meeting about this. Let's take you back into your past. Clean, unclean. Clean, unclean. Not sure. And Jesus comes and goes, oh, forget it. Come out. Just deals with him. And we can do, church does that, don't we? We have counseling courses for the unclean spirits or the clean spirits. You know, which ones do we do it? Let's write a book. Do it. And Jesus goes, oh, come on. Because you know, by the time we've written the book, you know, we've got more of them. And Jesus just wonderfully goes, what happens? Deals with it. Come on, church. Wake up. It's time that we, got lo- we stop, got lost in the circumstances and lost in what Jesus can do. Because that's what happens. I've read so many books on counselling that actually never give you the answer, for heaven's sake. You come at the end, you're more twisted at the end of it than you were when you first started. Because you start going, am I really like that? That is my thinking pattern. How have I become like And you sort of, by the time of it, you're more demonic at the end of it than you were because you've read it. And you think, I can't cope with this because it defines it. And Jesus goes, no definition, come out. And we do need to get it into our head. We need to ditch the books sometimes and ditch the courses and get on with the fact that Jesus faces everybody up and just deals with it. Unclean, not unclean. What does Jesus have in mind? Whatever. Do you, you see that? I, I don't understand that. You see that, don't you? I was in te- just listening to some people in Sainsbury's, two young people talking. One was going, whatever, and the other one went, yeah, whatever. I look at what are they on about? Define it. Here's Jesus' answer. You come to him and you say this, and he goes, whatever. That's what happens. That's our message. That's our ministry. Whatever. Forget, forget the details. Let's be Jesus-minded. Whatever. Okay. Undone demon. Oh, is that not what we were all about? Oh, have I got those the wrong way around? I probably have. I've got my pages in the wrong way around. Oh, and I've missed a whole section out. <laughs> oh dear. We just do this, we just put that there. Just move that over here. Oh, I don't know where that. Oh. I've got no idea where I've. Can you just um, sing amongst yourself for a little bit? Okay. Uh, let's just, just put this in, and then I'll just forget that. Um, what, where do I need to go? Oh, we need to go there. Let me just do this uh, before we do. Sometimes as well, in regard, to, de- in regard to, to demons and this whole area, 
we need to get a little bit of a grasp on this situation and put it into context. I love this text because the demons are the only ones that ever get it right. We don't get it right. Hear it, we don't. We don't get it right. Jesus' family says to him, you're mad. Jesus' disciples say say to him, "Uh, we can't trust you. The Pharisees say, you're a fraud. And the demons say, we know who you are. (laughs) Now you all want to be like demons, don't you? I know who you are. And... You know, that is the context that we need to, to be able to deal with evil with, with. I know who you are. I know who you are. And that's, for, that's one of the basic ways that we deal with evil and oppression. It's knowing who God is. It is not knowing who the demon is. If you look at the demon here, Jesus says to him, shut up. Don't want to know. I want you to know who I am. That's who. And sometimes, you know, in churches, we, we, we get what I call demon obsessed. You know, is this, a, is this a demon from the 37th heaven attacking earth in, in tanks and stuff like that? We, 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 I've never seen such rubbish in all my life. You know, why are, we, why are we becoming demon? We do. We just do. It needs to stop church. We don't need to know the ins and outs of evil. We need to know the power of our God. Yes. Evil is irrelevant in regard to what we're dealing with here. It doesn't matter whether it's a spirit over this town, this nation, or in a person. It is irrelevant. You are the Holy One of God. That's our approach to it. The other side of it is this. Is that it tends to be, in modern church, a dualistic type of view of evil. So what we have is that we sort of, what happens is we're in a power struggle here. Surely this is, I'm now in spiritual warfare. And we sort of, we, we sort of get ourselves to spiritual warfare. This is against the evil forces that are coming against me. And we can be dualistic. And, and I'm pressing through, I'm pressing through. No, it's pressing me. It's pressing me. No, I'm going forward. Pray, pray, pray. Our Father, no heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No, back again. And we, we sort of live this life. And you have these people, you come to church. I come to church on Sunday. I broke through, I broke through. I can praise the Lord. Suddenly something comes in your ear all like this. It's demonic, I must go. And we sort of live as if we're in a dualistic life we we sort of do and christians can portray you can i've heard it in contributions and in meetings and in books this dualistic thing let's get this in our head when jesus speaks he wins it's just easy he just what does he say to this boy come out he says i love this one get in the pigs (laughs) please would you mind, just for this moment, placing yourself in those pigs? <laughs> it's just simple. Come on. What are we doing? I feel so oppressed. I mean, I was, come on. You cannot be oppressed. It's in the way that you are describing. Do you know when it says, don't give the devil a foothold? That's what happens. So oppressed. feel the heaviness of Satan upon my head. Come on. Jesus rebuked him and said, be silent, come out of him. That was it. Done. Dusted. Let me just put this in context to you, because I don't know where I am in my notes. (laughs) Colossians chapter 1. 
Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Who put these in order? I'd, I'm just thinking about Dorothy. Dorothy's reading my notes and going, what? <laughs> it's, it's, it's Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. This is the context. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's the context. There is no equal and opposite forces at work. Jesus rules, Jesus reigns, Jesus rocks. It's simply that. Come on. It's just the way that it is. It's no good going, demons. As soon as you go, demons, you've lost. It's actually what should... It's just, no, we won't go there. Getting back to my text, is this not what we're all about? And they were amazed and said to one another, is this his word? For, uh, it talks about uh, unclean spirits and they come out and reports of him. He walks into a room. <laughs> he begins to preach in the synagogue and teach it. And the man who's a demon possessed is just released. Now hear me, having said that I, I don't consider myself to be an expert in spiritual warfare. Now I know what that's going to do. I'm going to have books through the post now, aren't I? <laughs> just, I once said something like that just a few weeks ago in here. And I had a book book we just like to help you pastor you know nothing i do i've read the book this is for you (laughs) oh no okay i know nothing really about spiritual warfare i know there are demons i know that i have i have been involved in deliverance of people i've been in i've been involved in deliverance of 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 demons that have uh, been in houses and places Uh, i've personally done that um, I don't want to do that in the morning. I don't this morning, but what I want to do is I don't want to make a ministry out of it. Here comes Nigel. He does the demon stuff. You know, I don't want to do that. It's just wrong. What I want to do is this. Here comes a man. He is demon possessed, and therefore he would have been reviewed by the English. The English. The, that's probably true. The religious ruling party as unclean. Was this? Because of his own devices? Was this because of sin? Was this his parents? Was this an event? We don't know. We don't know. And we don't know. But surely, isn't our response to be not the issue, but in terms of let's, set, let's get this set free then? Is that not the way? Is that not what we're about? Should we not be about not talking about this but doing it and getting among such people and see, seeing them set free. I have in my past um, a guy that was in our church who was a male prostitute, a rent boy, if you like. Came into our church. It was a huge mistake because he came into a strict Baptist church that seated 800 people with 30 in it and he walked through the door. You long for those sort of things, don't you? He just walked through the door. And didn't know how to do church. So he said into the midst of the people, we stopped for a hymn. He thought, this is my opportunity to speak. So, and, and he stood up in the midst of us. Can you imagine this? Strict Baptist church, between the hymn and the, and the prayer. And that's what stood up. And he said, this is who I am. And I don't know what to do. And all the people in the hats and the suits, they looked around and thought, no, neither do we. <laughs> and they just did that. Ah, oh, dear. But what, hap- what happened was that... The, uh, some people said, well, why don't we come and pray with this guy? 
And you've got to imagine that I'd led, led quite a sheltered guy. I'd never, I'd never heard of a rent guy, let alone him, uh, into this guy. And, and we, we, we prayed for him. Just in our good strict Baptist way, you know, which is thy will be done on earth. You know, that's just, we just prayed for him. And as we prayed for him in our front room with my father and a guy called Jeff Bird and, and Roger Wilcox and different other people. My father was then a deacon. We brought him home. Uh, and uh, what we did is we prayed for him. As we prayed for him, we saw, and you should see, you, we saw the demeanor change. We saw the face change. I thought, I thought he was going younger in seconds as God met with him. Then he wept. He said, what is this? And I kept saying, I've got no clue. But we, <laughs> we kept going. And then, and then what happened is that Jeffrey Bird said to him, what only Christians can say, why don't you come and live with me? And he said, I haven't known a mother and father since I was, he said, I've been on the streets since I was eight. And Jeffrey Bird said to him, come and live with us. And he said, I want you to know that we will be your mother and your father. And, we, and they took him in. And Jeffrey eventually found him a job. And he found him a job and he went away. And I just looked at it and I thought, what a miraculous thing. He came to Christ. His demeanor was changed. He stood up. He found a mum and dad, the family of God. He stood up. He found, he found self-respect for himself. He got himself a job. And you think, this is the church. Didn't understand it, but it was. And you look at it and you see it again in those passages that you read in regard to uh, the mother-in-law, the, previ- the sort of this passages after the passages, and we saw the mother-in-law's ill. Let's deal with that. Don't you love that? The mother-in-law is, is freed. The sick with various diseases, gone. And, and all that, and the demonic, gone. Isn't this what church should be looking like? Isn't this what we're about? Is this what, is this what Sunday mornings should look like? It isn't just that it should be like, no, come on. People should be getting saved, healed, delivered, moved, transformed in our meetings. It should be far more proactive than it is. At the moment you stand there, we, we, we have a little charismatic wobble like this. And we listen to the thing and we might even do a little charismatic shuffle. And we all go out and we have a cup of coffee and we tap it up with charismatic cake. This isn't what Jesus was doing, was it? It wasn't, you know, let's play the drum. Hey, did you hear the rhythm today? Went da-dong-dong, 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 da-dong-dong. We sort of sang this sort of thing. And we did our little wobble and, you know, the preach. And I had a laugh. Wasn't it funny today, the pastor? Come on, no, rubbish. What should it look like? Demons, free, people, saved, people, healed, transformed, spirit of God falling. Come with me. Rescue this church. Rescue the presence of Jesus. Put a passionate value on saying, this is surely what we're about. We have to do it. Let me just say this. If you feel in the middle of our meetings you want to get up and pray with you, will you please do it? We get up and go and do it? If you want to prophesy, do it. If you want to be charismatic, pull and hold onto the pockets. It's gone. No! Come on! What are we doing? We've become so awful in everything that we do. It does not reflect Jesus. Fight with me, church. Fight with me to get there. What would I like? I would like to be out of control, wouldn't you? What on earth is going on here? But God's here. Wouldn't you like that? 
You just think, we're so safe, aren't we? Oh, it's nice this morning. Come on. Let's do demons and then let's pray, shall we? Want to pray for some folk at the end. Undone de- Oh, sorry. I don't even know whether that's the right one, but undone demons. Ha! <laughs> what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Ask this question Who is the us? Who is the us? Is the demon dis, uh, assuming that Jesus, if Jesus destroys it, it will destroy the man? No. That's not the context. The context is Jesus has been in conflict with Satan and his forces. The context that Jesus was born, where Herod tried to kill all the babies, two years old and younger in Bethlehem, inspired by Satan. Jesus faced a a battle with Satan, Luke chapter 4. Jesus prays for himself, deliver us from evil. In the Gospels, the writers use different terms for demons. Verse 41, in the passage afterwards, demons came out of many. There's There's a man described as legion. Let me just put this into the answer. In 1 Corinthians 11, refers to Satan as having servants. And in, in, Rev, in Revelation 12, Satan's the imagery of the dragon and angels and stars. What we read here is one demon is talking about himself and all the other demons. <laughs> Are you going to deal with us? Yes. You're done for. You're absolutely done for. You're done for. John 3 verse 8, whoever... Uh, makes practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Yeah, you're done for. You're done for. (laughs) You're just done for. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. How did this person get to be like he was? Let's walk you through that. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, You are the Father... You are the, the far, uh, you are your, you are of your father the devil, and it is your will to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not have anything to do with the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, because he's the father of lies. What happens is this. It is this. How did this man get to be like he was? Well, one of the things that happens in regard to the demonic things is that we cease to believe a truth and we believe a lie. That's what happens. That's the first thing that happens. It can be a lie that has come through your circumstances. It can be a lie through your past. It can be a lie through an event. It can be a lie through your parents. It can be a lie through you. But whatever happens, it's a lie. And the father of lies lies to you. And that lie begins to grow in you. And what happens with that lie is that it shapes the way that you are and the way that you think and the way that you behave and the way that you react and the way that you do what you do. And eventually it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and Satan has taken hold of what then was a small lie because he's the father of lies and he's replaced it. 
he's taken away truth and he's done and this is what we see with this man that's why there's the debate of unclean or clean and we show our family likeness here it tells us that men are not neutral we're either gods or satans as biblically defined but the son of god appeared to destroy these sort of things The Greek word for destroy, 1 John 3, is a little bit dis- disturbing in the sense because it sounds mati- uh, militaristic, that's the word. It sounds that Jesus has come to destroy, uh, and that's the word. We can get that, we can get that effect, you know, that we can come and we can think, you know, this will destroy the works of the evil one. Yeah, I could do it, Rach, because I'm safe. She'll just hit me back later, and that sort of stuff. But actually, it means to undo. The Greek means to undo. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to undo the works of the devil. And what we see here is an undoing of the man. And we don't know what, what caused those things, his own sin, the, the, uh, his own devices, you know, things that he'd been involved in, his parents' sin, an event... Uh, we don't know. We, we just know that, that something in his past occurred. Then it shaped him because the father of lies got old of him and, and the lies got bigger. You know that, don't you? You know when a lie gets bigger. Do you? <laughs> do you? I do. You know, that sort of stuff. You start, you start believing something and, and it just gets out of proportion. So, uh, you know, I mustn't kill that person because they don't really hate me, and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. It just, gets, and we, it just gets hold of them. And the effect of that is that our spirit becomes unclean. It becomes what? Unreceptive to God. We just get stuck in it. And then Jesus comes along, knowing that the reason that he appeared, and he stands in front of this person, and he doesn't then say to them, Now, tell me about your past. Tell me how this occurred. Tell me how you let this go on for so long and all that sort of stuff. He just doesn't. He takes authority. He loves the person. And he just says, now, come on. Be set free. Be quiet. He rebukes the demon. Yes, the the person was thrown to the floor. What does the Bible say? Caused him no harm. Caused him no harm. I love the, the Greek. He undid what Satan had done. He undid it. He reverted back. That's the word. The reason the Son of God appeared was to undo the works of the devil. And to understand it. We have to understand it. Let, let's, let's undo it. That's what happens. Is that not done in the cross as well? What Jesus did in the cross? He undoes our sin. Unpicks it. Redesigns it. Our magnificent Jesus undoes what's done. Okay. I said I'd like to pray. And uh, I'd just like to pray for um, some categories of people, really. The first category of people, if the musicians could come back. The first category of people 
is that I'd like to pray for is people living with the reality and effects of scorn. The ha. That's, that's what I'd like to pray for. If you know and you are living with the effects of scorn, this is your opportunity uh, to come and for us to pray with you about that. Secondly, I want to pray for the effect of lies. What happens is this, that sometime in your past, you, you believed something. And that has shaped the way that you are. It may have defined the way of you are. Here's the man with the unclean spirit. What a definition is that of a person? That's how they were known. Here's so-and-so, they're like that. And it occurs in the past. I think that God wants to deal with some pasts this morning and just set you free from those. And just so that you know that whether it was an event, whether it was something that you did, whether it was something of your parents, whether it was something that you collectively did, that God just wants to release you of the oppression caused by that event. Just wants to do that for you. So those two things, the, the effects of the past that have got and the issue of scorn. The way that I would like to do that is the way that I'd like to do that is that um, I would like to ask you to be very brave. We can't do that there because that will shine, but we'll, we'll stop there. I want you to be very brave and, and, and come forward. I want you to do that um, knowing that we do not and will not criticize you. Will not. <laughs> uh, it isn't an issue that what I want to do is say, look, here's all these people that have got these dicky pasts. I just believe that what God wants to do is, is just come and touch you and help you with, with those things. I cannot say to you that the past will go away. I can say to you this, that Jesus will give you a perspective of that thing on the past and he will deliver you from the things that are wrong that you are thinking and behaving in regard to it. That's the way. So those two things. You're going to have to be very, very brave. If there's nobody, I will enjoy a charismatic coffee and cake.